Hello there, it is that time of your week where the CS fight song signifies the beginning of the latest episode of Climax the Podcast, Love Letter to a Small Town. As always, I am your host, Kevin Harvey, proud 1998 grad of Climax Scott's Junior Senior High School, and this is Season 1, Episode 3. We're three episodes in so far. Huzzah for the Shopkeep with Mark Sinclair, and more on that in just a second. I know last week was quite a bit different from our first episode outing. It was from the Archives of Prairie Historical Society. It was a very fun and educational and, I'll tell you, just mind-blowing. Some of the stuff I was learning about being a student in Climax in the 1910s, 1920s, 1930s, like, it just opened my eyes to so many things and just how it was such a different world back in those times. If you didn't hear episode one or two yet, you can get those back from the archives available in our link tree. And that's a solid segue into doing the business up front, as is per usual here on Climax the Podcast. Check out the Climax the Podcast link tree. It's posted on all of our social media, or you can go to it directly. The direct link is linktree, but that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Climax the Podcast. You got that? Okay, we're going to roll that back one more time. Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Climax the Podcast. That gives you links to all the different ways you can listen to, subscribe to the show, review the show, and support the show. We've got some t-shirts. We've got our YouTube channel. There's some buttons for donation because this is not a free show to produce. So if you're in a spot where you can and you want to, this is no guilt trip. But there are ways you can help support this show and help keep it running. And don't sleep on that YouTube channel. There's some really good stuff there. One I didn't mention last week, the entirety of the 1986 Class D State of Michigan Women's Basketball Championship. That is all up in its entirety right now on the YouTube channel. Coach John Munson, Sherry Swarthout, and all the women's basketball stars of the 80s in one of the greatest seasons, if not the greatest season ever for CS Women's Basketball. In my ongoing thanks go out to our first official sponsor, Kristen Wachowski with State Farm. If you have any needs for auto insurance, homeowner's insurance, condo insurance, renter's insurance, business insurance, life insurance, call my old pal Kristen. Her phone number is 269-968-5130. You can visit her office, 75 20th Street South. Sweet B, Battle Creek, Michigan, 49015. Or visit her website, which I'm going to actually spell correctly this week. Call Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N dot com. I've known Kristen a long time, and I trust implicitly that she'll help take care of you, your family, and all the things that are most important to you that you should keep insured. And now I've got an announcement to make. I made a little bit of a teaser last week on episode two. And part of the reason this episode's coming up late was partially due to my work schedule not really being able to edit this week's episode, but I was also hoping to find out some good news and get some final details in place, and I have enough to actually make this announcement. We know that Memorial Day weekend or Founders Day weekend to all of us in Climax is one of the biggest, if not the biggest weekend of the year. Julie Tiller and company have a lot of great stuff lined up to be as good, if not a little bit bigger and better than last year's Meet Me in the Middle. And I'd like to announce today that there will be a special event the evening of Sunday, May 28th at 5.30 p.m. We are going to have some fun because that is when we are going to have Climax the Podcast live. 
calling this outing Climax Tonight. This is going to be a talk show format. It's going to be all about Climax Scots, the people in it, the businesses. We're going to have guests. I've reached out to some potential musical guests. It's going to be a lot of fun. A little bit of a variety show, a little bit of a talk show, all about our beloved towns, our beloved CS community, and so much more. I am going to have more information for you on this as details develop, but first figured probably needed to get the venue and the time and the place organized. But yes, Climax the Podcast Live, a.k.a. Climax Tonight, takes place Sunday, May 28th. Follow us on social media, and of course, listen to this show for more information to come with time, but it's going to be in the CS High School Cafetorium. Do they still call it that? I think it's a cafetorium. In my day, it was a cafetorium. Anyhow, really good stuff shaping up for this one, and I hope to see most, if not all of you there. And now for the main attraction of this episode, huzzah for the shopkeep, my conversation with Mark Sinclair. And you may get a little bit of Amanda Sinclair on this too, full disclosure. I did have some conversation with Amanda, but I believe most of that was actually for the Ellen Pierce episode coming up later this season. You might still get a cameo here from Amanda, and if I'm being completely honest, I haven't edited the interview yet, and it was over a month ago, so I don't trust my memory right now. But don't be surprised if you hear a little Amanda here and there. I'll tell you what, I was so thankful for Mark and Ann Sinclair welcoming me into their home. They had a very limited window available on Christmas Eve. And you know what? We made it work. With all the weather, with all the elements, and all the things that made making this interview happen very difficult for everybody involved, Mark and Ann still found this half hour that I was able to get to their house. Luckily, they were only four doors down from my mom and dad's house where I was staying, so nobody had to travel too far or take any unnecessary risks in the bad weather that we had. And though this is a relatively short podcast interview, there is a lot of good stuff in here, and I hope someday to maybe be able to do a part two or expand on some of these topics, because as you're going to learn in this interview... The Sinclair family and my family have been intertwined for generations at this point. There's just so much ground to cover of the Sinclair family, our friendships, our going to school together, our time in the community, and all the different ways that the Sinclair family has impacted the church, the school, the entire community of Climax Scots. Stay tuned after the interview. I'm going to dig up some fun memories of Sinclair's Market from some past issues of the archives of the Climax Crescent. I think there's some fun stuff that will be fun trips down memory lane for a lot of folks listening. And I'll have a little bit of a preview of next week's episode for you, too. So now, without any further ado, onward with Season 1, Episode 3, Huzzah for the Shopkeep with Mark Sinclair. There are probably dozens, if not hundreds, of ways I could begin this, but I just want to lead with what I think is one of the most unique things about Climax and small town growing up. I'm sitting at a table right now across from a man who went to school with my mother, kindergarten through 12th grade, and just across the table as well, his daughter, who I went to school with, (laughs) kindergarten through 12th grade. And I don't know many people in my life that I've had outside of the town of Climax that can say, hey, here's people that have been part of my family's lives who are not blood related for, I'll just say, a lot of years and (laughs) and protect the innocent. (laughs) But welcome. One of the most important names in Climax history is Sinclair. And I have the pleasure of having Mark Sinclair with me today on Climax the Podcast. 
Well, I'll tell you one other thing you can add to that original story, Kevin, is that my grandma and uh, Tessa Drollette were great friends. Oh, I my don't goodness. Know where you're related to Tessa. Well, Tessa, where would uh, where would Tessa be in relation to Dwayne Sr.? That would probably help me out there. I don't think it was his wife. No, that Nellie was Dwayne Sr.'s yeah, wife. So I'm not sure. So probably at minimum a sister, if not. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. I'm just going to slide that over a little bit there. Well, there's absolutely nothing amazing about the Sinclair family. I want to start that way. <laughs> you want to know where to start. Uh, my uh, great-grandpa, uh, George F. Sinclair, he started Sinclair's Market with an elder that I can't remember his first name in maybe 1869. We did not have it straight through all the years. Uh, my grandpa sold out in uh, maybe in the 1880s. Then during the Depression, uh, my grandpa had come back. Uh, he'd gone out to Montana to be a forest ranger, but when his dad became ill, he came back in uh, the climax. And one of the early jobs he got was in uh, Climax Hardware. Uh, and uh, the big story I remember from that was that there was a big school vote coming up. And my grandpa was on the school board, and he was for the vote for yes for the school and the bond millage. His boss at the time, his name was Mr. Willison from the hardware. My grandpa was working at the hardware. And Mr. Willison was president of the school board but didn't think we needed it. And in reading my grandpa's journals, uh, the one day big school vote tomorrow, and the next day vote passed, and the next day got fired today. <laughs> <laughs> so his next job was he went to work for the contractor that built the, the school that's now Dave's Bargains. I w that was going to be my next yep. question. So, so this was the transition school. from the one-room schoolhouse, probably with well, Bethel no, Evanger? There was another school there first that they tore down. Okay, uh, gotcha. I, your mom would have pictures of that school, uh, but they went modern, and they maybe they didn't need a new one, but they got it. So for more modern Climax folks, so people in mine and Amanda's age brackets, that would we knew it as the Masonic Temple or the old school, yep. the yeah. literal old yep. school for the kids today. <laughs> uh, but before there was Climax Scott's now junior, senior high school, there was Dave's Bargains is there now. Before yep. that was the Masonic Lodge, and before that was... Climax High School, and this that was also before the merger of Climax and Scotts, was it not? Or was that the um, birthplace of Climax It was Scots? early 50s when the schools merged right in there anyway. I don't know exact timing. But by the time you were in school, it was definitively Climax Scotts? Yes. Okay. And I think even my brothers, you know, six years older than I was, so I think it was Climax Scotts. Yeah. But uh, your mom and I went to junior high in that building. So we went there for two years, seventh and eighth grade. That's right, and that was, and then the intermediate school came quite a long time after that, if I'm remembering right. I think they were building the new high school when we were in uh, middle school. I think maybe ninth grade we got to go to the new school that's still being used. Yeah, I remember looking through a lot of those yearbooks from decades gone by and saying, hey, that looks awful familiar because, well, we went to school in those very same rooms. And now if I may toot your horn, you're being modest here. There's nothing amazing about the Sinclair family. I think there's lots of amazing things about the Sinclair family. And I think a lot of folks certainly associate the name with the longtime grocery business. And there was, was it ended up being three generations of Sinclairs or it was four. It, okay. So we had, oh, that, 
Okay, so your grandfather. My great grandfather started it, sold it. Okay. And then my grandfather, after he worked, worked building that school, he got a job as postmaster. He also was farming a little lamb at the same time, but he didn't really make a go of farming. It was not a good time to be a farmer. But he got a job as postmaster, which he really liked. Uh, but he, uh, in those days, when he changed presidents, uh, the new president, if it was a different party, he would put somebody in in post offices as postmaster of his, if his or her party. In those days, it would have been his party. And that was in probably the earlier days of the RFD. Um, I don't know when that started, but yeah. uh, it would have been no, it'd been quite a little because he started with horses and buggies for the rail freight delivery. First place in Michigan, anyway, was right here in. Climax, well, if not the U.S., if not I, Michigan, it's I've got a whole tangent mom, I can put mics on that. with my mother at your that mom one. Know that by heart. She's the easiest ch- uh, guest for me to chase down, so I can always do that. At all. <laughs> Honestly, at any point, all I have to do is turn the microphone on and not even tell her. I'm probably going to get yeah. something that's podcast well, worthy. She, she's pretty good. She's a pretty sharp lady. The, but uh, after he lost the postmaster's job, he started working, I think, in the grocery store then, but I do not remember the name of the owners, but it, it was not going well, and uh, people from Canada, I think, inherited it, and they didn't want it, and during the Depression, I'm sure my grandpa bought it quite cheap, and so that's that was in the 30s, and since then, until uh, 2013, it was my grandpa, my dad, in the uh, 50s, he bought it, and then my wife Ann and I bought it from my folks in 1978 because it's so let's see obviously i know you and ann were the owners and then your father and mother so that was newell and genevieve mm-hmm. and then george and maude mm-hmm. before that yep and then your great-grandfather was he was another george okay that's i thought so but <laughs> yeah, it gets confusing yeah, and I've learned a lot more history about yeah. Climax in the last two yeah. and a half weeks than I probably have in the prior 40-some years or so. Now, before I dive too much into the the store and the business and so many different thoughts and questions I have there, your family was also key players in, I believe, two different bank robberies in Climax, on the positive side, on the helping people outside. I can tell you two stories. I don't know how key they were. My grandpa told me when the big bank robbery, which is in... Uh, Soundstage building, the former hardware, he heard an explosion and he came out his front door and right next door on, uh, I think it was a Masonic building at that time, a guy was standing with a rifle on the steps and he just waved at my grandpa with the rifle to go back in the house. My grandpa just said, I turned right around and went back in the house. <laughs> to my knowledge, they never caught whoever did that. Well, and this could be, I may have holes in this story because this is my 40-something brain from a story my mother told me in my youth, but I heard a rumor you may have subdued a would-be robber at Climax Bank at one no, time. No, These are fabricated tales? That, that your mom is dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> no, there were, uh, I don't know how many times the bank's been robbed, but another time when I was robbed, an eyewitness said they saw a guy running out of the bank with a bag of money over his shoulder. <laughs> Well, that was me. <laughs> I was late to go golfing, and I was picking up change. We'd, we'd pick up at least $100 worth of change sure. every day, and I had it in a bag, put it over my shoulder, and ran to the car because I was going to be late to golf. And some, <laughs> somebody ID'd me as the bank robber. Like All I can picture there is almost like a cartoon, like the Beagle Boys with a cash, yeah. a bag, burlap sack with a big dollar Thankfully, sign. Thankfully, nobody had it on video. <laughs> 
Yeah, nowadays, four kids would have had it on cell phones and one live stream yeah. to Instagram or something along those lines. Yeah, that's... I had no idea about... You'd mentioned in our emails back and forth trying to set this up today about the the bank robbery, and then you'd also mentioned something about an illness back in the early 1900s. Oh, when my grandpa was a postmaster, uh, the, it's called the, I think the Spanish flu then. Uh, they thought, my grandpa said they all thought it was some kind of a plague that was going around. I think it was 1918. And a lot of people were sick. A lot of people were dying in the community. And he had a, his wife and his two children. My dad, my aunt, and my grandma were homesick with it. I don't know how, but my grandpa didn't get it, but he said he couldn't get anybody to come help him. They were all so afraid of getting it, and people were dying from it. And he said, fortunately, he could work at the post office. He could go back and forth from work and check on them and make sure they had water or whatever he could do for them. And he always felt fortunate that they didn't lose anyone in their family. Yeah. The, f- the first of pandemics, not, not to dive too far into the more recent one <laughs> that we've all been having and are still having some fun with, now, looking at the store, you basically grew up inside of the grocery industry, we did lived you not? We in a little apartment behind the store. I thought it was just heaven until I was a fifth grader, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, what would have, say, a typical day at the store's chores might have looked like for an elementary school age, Mark Sinclair? Well, I started when I was four. <laughs> in, the, in the Climax Crescent, there's an article that said, little Marky helps his grandpa in a store. But... Uh, my grandpa told me I would start, milk would come in uh, a container, a milk crate. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't pick them up, but he said I would drag them from the <laughs> rear cooler out so I could stock the milk. And that well, would have been the old glass bottles, well, too, so those are probably heavy suckers. I, I probably broke some, but I don't, nobody ever told me that I did. <laughs> Allegedly. Money, money was close. You know, I would have been pretty careful. So that was one of your first formal labors. So. Yeah. F- Four or five years old, little Marky moving the milk crates yep, all around. Yep. My grandpa built a wood stand for me to stand on because it wasn't tall enough to wait on people. So I could get up there and get up to the counter. But he didn't want me to use the adding machine. We had the adding machine, sure. not, not cash registers. Yep. He wanted me to take a pencil and go right on the side of the paper bag, you know, within reason, and add it up manually. He thought that was good for me. I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I agree, too. Yeah, that worked out well. So then, okay, so we had some bagging, stocking. Yeah. Uh, how, old, how old were you we were first in the meat cutting room? Seven? No, <laughs> no, way before it's legal. Uh, no, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll just say 14, maybe I would have started. And, you know, and unfortunately, I was running slicers and bandsaws and sharp knives and somehow managed to get through without getting hurt. And I can see all of your fingers yep, are still here yep. with you today, so get, kudos I to you. I did get a few stitches. <laughs> well, that's one of my sort of fondest memories that kind of segues into some questions that I have, is some of my memories of the store is I could walk in, and when I think of, gosh, what a cast of characters of Climax Pass we could go through between anybody in the Sinclair family, male and Roe, in later years. Yeah, just amazing. With, uh, a lot uh, of people thought he owned the store. He was so yeah. good and... Treated it like it was his own. You'd, 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 you could search 20 years and not find an employee that good. 
you had Malin in some of the later years there was Leroy, mm-hmm. right? Leroy, Sandy Sibson. I feel like Barb Sackrider was yeah. a Oh, we had wonderful people. Just so many people that were a big influence on my life because I grew up five doors down from the store. And but at any given point, I might see you at the office. I might see Ann running the cash register. I might see you cutting meat. I might see Ann putting out yeah. the produce. My exposure to the grocery industry, besides growing up in Climax and knowing you and your family, I worked for Meyer for a number of years, about eight years. And well, if somebody calls off or has a sick kid or something, you have a fleet of about three to 500 people that you could yeah. kind of pull into rotation. What challenges do you have over the years of if a meat cutter couldn't make it to work or a cashier couldn't? It meant the owner had to do it. And, you know, we're just going through a blizzard right now. It reminded Dan and I of the snowstorm of, I think, a 78. We pretty much ran the store for three days uh, by ourselves. And you, you can do it. You know, you, it's amazing what you can do when you have to. But my dad lived here, and he would have done anything to get to work. You know, it's a mile away, but he couldn't get there for three days until uh, Don Evinger got a tractor out and took him up to work on a tractor. And just yeah. to this day, every time I hear a lawnmower when I'm at my folks' house, if I if it's not my dad, I half expect it to be Newell going down Owen Avenue to yeah. to go cut the grass at the well, store. The, yeah, and he cut the grass at our house, too, uptown. <laughs> I didn't know that he yeah. took one all the way he up there. He loved to mow lawn. In, in his uh, later years, sometimes didn't feel good, and I'd say, Dad, you don't have to mow lawn, and he said, it makes me feel better. So he mowed the, our lawn uptown, the store lawn, and here. Well, yeah. diving into just the influence of your dad and the community on your family, there's some ways that I wonder, if I try to articulate climax stories to folks, saying things like I was on a first-name basis with a man who was a senior citizen to me, Newell, while he ran the store, and my family knew him. Like that, It's it's like a foreign language, and I'm sure yeah. Amanda's experienced this too, yeah. being down, still in Florida. Right, yep. Just trying to explain what is special, unique, and in my eyes, amazing about Climax is so lost on people who grew up in cities or, say, went to double-A schools in Michigan that had... 12, I graduated with 1,200 people. Well, I'm not entirely sure 1,200 people have graduated from Climax to date. <laughs> uh, they just can't align with that. But what I want to think about is just the influence that your dad has and still has on many generations throughout Climax. When you think of how many people worked for him, worked under him, like what do you think are some of the best lessons from your dad that are still resonating with you today or maybe some of the people that came through the store's employees over the years? Well, I think it was all good. I mean, he wanted you to work seven days a week. <laughs> <laughs> Vacation would be a day and a half, you know, somewhere. <laughs> oh, I don't know, just hard work and honesty and, uh, be, you know, be kind to people and then be kind to you back and respect them and it worked good for our family. But we had wonderful people in this community, you know, that supported us. It isn't a one-way deal, Kevin, that, uh, got to work both ways to have a business that long. I think to echo what you're saying too, I would say that grandpa definitely had a commitment to community. You know, the fact that you, I feel like even when the store was closed, both you and him, you know, if someone called and needed, needed some butter or some milk for something important they were doing that day, they would, you know, take it over to them. We we opened up on Christmas a few years for somebody. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You're a good customer, why not? Mm -hmm. We we lived there. And even now, and Kevin, you're like this too, yeah. but I mean, you, we, everywhere we go, you still know so many people and they respect and you and just, you know, just the other day when we went to Time Out Lounge and Vicky 
So it's everywhere we go. Somebody knows dad and has a good story about him. Sitting in, you know, it's very similar with grandpa. We're in Burlington, Vermont. Yeah. And Amanda was working out there and we were walking along the beach there at the lake and somebody, Mark. <laughs> oh, yeah. It happens everywhere we go. Now, speaking to the point of community, I, I wanted to dive into that a little bit too. When you look at so many businesses that maybe are in positions to sponsor, take an ad, things like that, almost all companies, even on the scale of maybe like a Sinclair's market these days, they want to see spreadsheets, they want a new fax, they want to see what's my ROI on this, what are my capital gains, where for so many years, it, it really think, I think this really speaks to the goodwill you just talked about, the community supported you, so a little donation to a Girl Scout here, or once upon a time, a goofy kids wrestling show at the American Legion. Just a, It's not like Sinclair's was getting a $5,000 sale out of sponsoring a Little League team or anything like that. But that I just always felt that was so important to the community, to, to me, my friends, everybody growing up, that we, we knew that you were there for us as much as the community hopefully was there for you in return. I think it worked that way. But we, we wanted to help. We, we were never a great donor, but we wanted to contribute small amounts to a lot of people. And uh, I think it built part of your trust in the community, you know. It, uh, but it's a lot easier to give some food or a check than it is for the people to go out and work it. You know, the volunteers that spend hours and hours really are more important than what we were doing. But we were glad to do our part. And just some of the things I've uncovered in the last week or so, I just uncovered a video from 1990 and just seeing your dad's smiling face, he's bagging groceries at the end of lane one there at uh, Sinclair's, which at that time was probably right across from the office in the, the video wall, the video library. Yeah. Just seeing those things. And God, how many years were you in the new Sinclair? <laughs> from 79, we opened in the spring of 79 through August of 2013. Because I think Bruce recently unearthed some pictures of it. Looked like if it wasn't the opening, it was definitely some of the earlier years, uh, based on some of the employees that were in the picture. Well, Bruce posted a story or a picture of us locking the door the last time. That was the one that brought the tears. <laughs> oh, nine years ago. Nine? Has it already been yeah. so long? Yeah. I know when you said 2013, I was like, that must yeah. be wrong. That doesn't seem like that's possible. I, we've all reached that age now where somehow like the K through 12 took a thousand years, but somehow 2013 to 2022, we blinked three times and here we are. Now, who, looking back over the years, uh, we talked about Malin, like you couldn't script a better employee <laughs> like that. Uh, who are some of the other folks? I mean, I don't know that we could realistically list every Sinclair's employee, but some of the folks that you just really remember being there long periods that just really helped make that a, the stalwart of the community that the store was for so long. I hate to start naming names. I'll, I'll name a few, but my gosh, we just we didn't have any bad employees. I fired two employees in 35 years. I would challenge anybody else that ran a business for 35 years. Well, do Amanda and Darren count? Or? <laughs> <laughs> Just Darren, I wouldn't yeah. have been fired. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, Louise Kaufman, Dorothy Reynolds, uh, people that your mom would remember, but Trudy Harvey, uh, Carolyn Kelly, Joanne Gibson. I mean, there's just a hundred of them. When, 
we were always hiring in our mind. We didn't. We never posted ever for a job. But my dad told me early on. He says, if you have a good applicant that you want to hire, hire him, whether we got a spot or not. He said, in a while you'll need him. He said, don't ever mess on a good applicant. And, and that was huge because I remember once we needed a cashier and three amazing people came at the same time, and I, I hired all three. You know, I really didn't need three and didn't need two, but. They were so good, I couldn't pass them by. And but it, the the later years that you know it was harder to find those people. And I understand if I were in business now, I'd be real disappointed trying to hire people. Well, and at some point, I don't know if I can give the credit to you or your dad, but at some point, I associate that mentality with Sinclairs. And I don't know if it's a conversation maybe you and I had when I was a little bit more of a grown up than than many of our interactions in my youth. But that's something I've maintained to this day in businesses I run of if you have somebody who's amazing, find a seat on your bus yep. oh, for yeah. that person. Yep. Maybe they are the best qualified meat cutter in the world. If you don't have a meat, maybe you don't have a need for a meat cutter right now, give them something to do. Yep. Like, let's get, them, let's get them there and let's, if people yep. want to work, by gosh, let them. Yeah, we, uh, we thought they were real good. We'd find a spot. Had a lot of students over the years and it was some of them weren't the best when they started, but most of them all worked out pretty darn good after a little while of training. Not bad for a little Spartan store in zip code four nine zero three four. Now, one thing I have wanted to ask you for years was this: choosing the Spartan brand was that strictly out of loyalty to Spartans in general uh, with the Michigan State uh, lifelong connection, or uh, was there a little more to it than that? Because I always wondered if. Was that the label just because it was Spartans? Um, that decision was made long before me about going with Spartan stores. Okay, I did not know that. Uh, yeah, it. Uh, I, I assume my dad made that decision, and uh, maybe it was on my mind. But when I was maybe a sophomore in high school, I got a chance the 4-H to go up to Michigan State and spend a couple days in, in a 4-H program, and we got to Euclid Pool. And I remember the co-eds at the pool were the prettiest girls I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I decided I wanted to go to Michigan State. <laughs> Sound decision. And always, and always having a real struggle getting a date here in Climax. Who was I to know? You know, my wife was waiting for me there at Michigan State University. I was about to say, I'm pretty sure you met the prettiest girl at yeah. Michigan State. I, I and thought made so then, and I think so now, Kevin. I would agree it with that. took her two years to notice me, though. Well, for years, there was the, the joke of, Ten out of or eight out of ten women in the Big Ten were attractive, and the other two went to Michigan. Yeah, somewhere that, that somewhere that was a East Lansing. <laughs> yeah, somewhere around Grand River Avenue, yeah. probably. <laughs> well, Mark, any imparting wisdom? Because I know we're reaching uh, close to the amount of time well, that we it would we had not be for right today. If I didn't take a shot at Sharon and Weesey's, <laughs> I, I encourage I, it. I tell one story. I don't know if Sharon will remember this, but we moved into ninth grade, and we had a teacher named Mr. Muma. And my older sister had preceded me in going through school. She was a perfect angel, never did anything wrong in her life. And one of the first days of school with Mr. Muma, somebody came from the office and said, Mr. Muma, you have to go up to the office for a few minutes. Well, they didn't have anybody to watch a class, and it's not like nowadays where you have to have a cop or somebody. Mr. Muma, he knew my name, and he says, uh, Mr. Sinclair, you're going to run the class while I'm gone. And your mother said, Oh, Mr. Muma, you can't do that. <laughs> she even knew what I was really like. Uh, the old Sharon Stooge job. Yeah, well, <laughs> she and I had a lot of fun memories. Well, 
when you really think about just how many friendships do you really have? I mean, gosh, you two, you only live a half mile apart. Yep. If that at this yeah, point, I mean, I could dark. probably hit a rock, hit their house with a rock from here. But just what a unique story to truly have friends and classmates. And even though Amanda and I have not been in the same room since, gosh, when was your first child born? Let's see, you just turned 10, so it's been a while. So eight to 10 years, yeah, anyhow. exactly. But it's it's very much like riding a bike. You can, People that truly Absolutely. came from this town, you know, if we didn't have a time constraint, Amanda and I could probably be up till 3 a.m. talking about <laughs> random stories. We or we did that for the reunion, right? <laughs> Oh, more than once in my life, I may have succumbed to, come on, Kevin, do it, from this young lady right here. I don't know how much I've changed. I, uh, I, can, I, can, I can vouch for that. <laughs> well, Sinclair family, we're, we're surrounded. We didn't get everybody on the microphone, but just to see all your smiling faces, just thank you for making the time and documenting a little bit of your chapters of Climax history right here on Climax the Podcast. We enjoyed it. Thank you. I really hope everyone enjoyed that conversation with Mark Sinclair, the input from his daughter, Amanda. That's just so much history of the Climax and Scott's community. And I'll tell you, I'm still hopeful that someday we're going to get a chance to do a part two because I feel like I could talk to any combination of the Sinclair family for hours. Now, before the interview, I dropped some hints that maybe there were some things that were going to be fun after the interview. And if you followed this podcast for a bit, you know I've been able to sort of get my hands on things from the town history, from Prairie Historical Society, as well as the Climax Crescent. Try as I might, I could not find the article Mark referenced in this conversation about Lil Marky helping out at the store. But what I did find were some articles from March of 1979. I'm going to read them both verbatim for you, the first one being New Sinclair Store to open March 13th. The New Sinclair Supermarket, located just west of Climax, is scheduled to open Tuesday, March 13th at 8 a.m. Brown Brothers Construction is putting the final touches on the interior of the 9,556-square-foot block building. Some exterior work will wait until warmer weather. The new store will continue to be affiliated with Spartan Stores of Grand Rapids. Spartan is a retailer-owned cooperative wholesaler and is the largest grocery wholesaler in Michigan. Other major suppliers will be Oven Fresh Bakery and Country Fresh Milk. Energy conservation is very evident in the new market. A heat reclamation heating unit is a feature of the store. The heat generated from the refrigeration compressors will be used to heat the sales area. The auxiliary furnace should only run when the temperature is lower than 17 degrees outside. There is an insulation board on the roof, insulation above the drop ceilings, and styrofoam in the block walls. Special General Electric Wattmiser lighting is being used in the store, and energy-efficient sodium lights will provide exterior lighting. A complete line of supermarket food items will be available due to an increase of nearly three times the selling area of the old store. When the old store closes Monday the 12th, it will end a 110-year history of providing continuous grocery service to the community from the same structure. New store hours will be Monday, Tuesday, and Saturday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., and Sunday, 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. Sinclair's plan to move some of their shelving a week before the new store opens. The Shopper's Review will not be distributed the next two weeks. It will continue starting March 19th.
Now that's one of the gems from that time frame, and now I want to share with you Sinclair's Open New Supermarket. Headline, Sinclair's Open New Supermarket, building vacated after serving as store on main corners for 110 years. Sinclair's opened their new supermarket three quarters of a mile west of Climax on schedule Tuesday morning and should be complimented on their modern, well-stocked store that gives a big store atmosphere to our community. As you tour the building, the added space, 9,556 square feet, nearly three times the old store, allows them to carry a bigger variety in sizes of products. One of the major changes is the produce department with a large selection of colorful packaged fruits and vegetables. The meat department has been modernized and a new employee, David Lauhan, will be manager. He has an up-to-date meat cutting room complete with plastic packaging machine and programmed scales and labeling machine to show weight, cost per pound, and item cost. Many customers who have been accustomed to being greeted by the friendly smiles of Newell and Mark across the meat counter and their help in selecting a good cut or enough to serve the number to be at your table will have to change their ways and make their own choice from the packaged variety. Another addition that will please many is an assortment of paperback books and magazines. They have three checkout stations and store manager Mark Sinclair said, it is our aim to give quick, efficient service to our customers with as little waiting as possible. The new store will remain open more hours for your convenience, including evening hours to 8 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday nights, and Sunday from 12 to 5. A good number of customers and well-wishers have stopped in at the new store during its first few days of operation. Mark said he plans a grand opening of the facility in the near future. In addition to these two articles, I'm going to put some stuff on the social media. I've taken some snippets of different Sinclair's ads over the years, and there's a lot of fun stuff in there. As I start to bring this episode to a close, I do want to drop one sad note. As I've been producing this week's episode, I learned that a longtime fixture in Climax Scott's Community Schools, Lois Joslin, has passed away. I want to talk about this a lot more, but I want to give a lot more justice to the impact that Lois Joslin had on so many in the community. For now, I just want to extend my sincerest condolences to all the friends and family of Lois Joslin. And I'll have more on Lois in a future episode of the podcast. And I can tell you, give you a little preview of what's coming next week. Another very special episode from the Archives of Prairie Historical Society. This week we had Mark Sinclair. Next week we have his mother, Genevieve Sinclair. And her guest, Neva Vosberg. That's coming to you next week right here. Subscribe to the podcast. Like us, leave us reviews. Tell all your friends. Get the word of mouth out there. Thank you for continuing to support. Climax the podcast, love letter to a small town. I'll talk to you guys real soon.